We'll call to order the meeting of the Iowa City City Council Economic Development Committee. Welcome everyone. First item on our agenda is to consider approval of the minutes from the October 19th, 2022 meeting. Is there a motion to approve the minutes or any changes? I'll move to accept. Okay. And I'll second it. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, the minutes are approved. And Wendy, I'll pass it over to you. Okay. Um, well, as you recall, last month we were here to um, uh, listen to the request for continued funding from several of our arts organizations in Iowa City. And um, today we are going to hear from a couple of our economic development organizations, those who support small business development um, and even not so small business sometimes. Um, we have Tracy John Sargent with the Multicultural Development Center of Iowa here and also Kurt Nelson with the Entrepreneurial Development Center Inc. of Cedar Rapids here. And we'll have Tracy John go first, I think. We, and I'll just give a little preface by saying that uh, we have uh, uh, been working with Tracy John for a couple of years on uh, supporting him and his endeavor to provide BIPOC startup business um, incubation. Um, he's been working with um, a, a few cohorts uh, over the last couple of years and graduating folks out of his program into uh, business ownership in the best case. Um, and he does a number, a number of other things as well to support small business development. So um, we have supported um, uh, his endeavors at $25,000 each for the last two previous fiscal years. We did that using economic development opportunity funds, but we wanted to get him um, and this request into the, um, the community development uh, line of economic development uh, funds. So that is why we've invited him here today and to get into this um, format of uh, providing a little uh, annual report or information on what he, he's been up to over the last year, progress report um, that goes along with the request for continued funding. And likewise with Kurt Nelson with the uh, EDC Inc. in Cedar Rapids. We've been supporting EDC Inc. I think for about 10 years now. Maybe not quite 10, yes, eight, 8 or 10. It's like 25,000 almost a year for like 206,000 I think is your number. So. Okay, well you, you know that better than I do off the top of your head. <laughs> anyway, Kurt will do the same, um, uh, give a report on what his org's been up to and um, how that relates to Iowa City businesses as he is rooted in uh, Cedar Rapids, but certainly uh, works uh, throughout the corridor. So I think with that, I will turn it over to Tracy John first um, to talk about uh, MCDI and Incubate. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, so obviously this is my first time in this forum, so if I seem a little clunky, it's for a lack of experience. Did everyone receive the impact report? Yeah, it was in the Okay, perfect. Number. So. Um, 
you know, I try to keep it pretty basic. Uh, I'm not a super fancy guy. Um, we have received support, which of course we appreciate. Uh, really, this program wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the initial support that we received from the city. Uh, Jeff Rune and I have had several conversations uh, over the last few years about the need for a program like this that focuses on our uh, historically disadvantaged, underestimated, underserved parts of our community uh, that have aspirations of being a small business owner or our current small business owners that could use some support to help accelerate that growth. Uh, and that is what ultimately became what I call Incubate. It is our BIPOC business accelerator program. So it's a 16-week program that we provide um, due to the pandemic. It has been 100% virtual, uh, which certainly has allowed us to provide, I think, more support than we would have if it was in person. Um, you might notice some of the stats uh, that I provided in the statistics and major milestones. You know, 31 businesses that we've supported. Um, if you compare that to other things in the community, it might not seem that impressive, but when you take into account the amount of one-on-one -on -one, uh, support, the attention, the technical assistance, a lot of the things that we provide those businesses, it's, uh, I'm surprised that we're actually able to support that many businesses. Um, the support does not line up with the individual cohorts. So at the end of the 16 weeks, we're not done supporting them. It tends to be ongoing. So we're going to have a problem of having expenses that you know compound uh, as we continue to provide some of that support and then look for strategic opportunities to wean people off of that support when their business models uh, obviously support that. Uh, we're very proud of the fact that it is focused on BIPOC-owned uh, businesses. We certainly um, try to make sure that we're not excluding anyone. We try to be as inclusive as possible, uh, but I think most people understand what our target demographics are, and uh, to date we have not had to turn anyone away because they didn't meet our target demographics. I don't know that we would actually do that, um, but you know, 100% of the people that participate in our programs identify as a person of color, uh, which we think is obviously fantastic. Um, there are a couple of milestones that I wanted to call your attention to. Uh, we recognize as we did our own inclusive economic development survey, even though it was somewhat unofficial, a lot of the feedback that we received from business owners was the challenges that they had in receiving uh, funding. Uh, debt financing is uh, continuing to be a challenge. Uh, redlining still exists. And so uh, our solution to that problem was to create a microloan and small dollar loan program. And so we received some assistance to help uh, generate the loan loss reserve, which allows us to uh, have some exclusivity. We are the uh, Iowa Community Capital affiliate for Johnson County. So they are, I think, the largest uh, lending um, CDFI in the state. Uh, so we are the Johnson County affiliate, allows us to provide small dollar loans up to $2,500 and then micro loans up to $50,000. We tried to put a caveat or at least have some uh, checks and balances in place. And so really the requirement for people to participate in that loan program is that they've gone through our business accelerator. Um, we've been a little bit flexible on, on that as we want to obviously support as many people as we can. Uh, but there's a risk factor. You know, if somebody defaults on the loan, that obviously impacts our loan loss reserve. So we want to try to balance that. Uh, and an easy way for us to do that is to have them go through our program because we have uh, 
a lot more detailed information on who they are, um, what plans they have in place. We, in most cases, uh, with our business coach, help them actually create a business plan, which uh, unfortunately most small businesses do not have. And then they go to the bank and ask for loans and the bank turns them away and says, you need this documentation. And more often than not, they have nowhere to go or they're not sure where to go to get that kind of support. So it's very easy for us to kind of make that part of uh, the loan requirement. Um, we provide a lot of technical assistance. I think most of the funds that we receive uh, end up going right back out to small organizations. We've provided computer equipment, uh, marketing, which could be in the form of you know web design, domain names, email addresses, a lot of services that help them provide uh, more of a virtual platform. Uh, we've designed dozens of, of websites to help uh, these small businesses have an online platform. So a lot of what we do uh, in funds that we receive goes right back out in terms of uh, technical assistance. Um, like Wendy mentioned earlier, we're uh, about halfway through our third cohort, so this is our second year of providing that program. But throughout the last two years, we've had what I think are some fairly significant milestones. We've established some partnerships, uh, most I think importantly uh, with ICAD. Um, they have a Builders and Backers program, which is a great little pipeline for our program. So if you're not familiar with that program, it's an opportunity for people to kind of exercise their uh, business idea. Is there really a need for something like that? And they go through uh, their own program uh, and they have their own cohort. And essentially after that, they kind of prove or maybe disprove whether there's a need for that. And so some of those people that have come out of that program have gone right into our BIPOC accelerator, which allows us an opportunity to further work with them, develop their business model, help identify some of the gaps that they might have, whether that's in form of legal services or marketing or just needing some, you know, more work to uh, put in the development um, so that they can experience the kind of growth that we hope all businesses see. Um, the financial summary, I think, is, is obviously worth uh, noting. It might be somewhat misleading when you see where our funding is coming from. We had an unexpected private donor uh, that made a significant uh, donation. That is not something that we have experienced in the five years that, that I've been doing uh, this. So I wanted to make sure that I level set some expectations that that is not uh, a thing that we expect. Uh, we're in the middle of Giving Tuesday, and I can tell you that it's pretty, pretty sparse out there. There's not a ton of, uh, of donations coming through. So it continues to be a challenge for us to uh, create a private donor base. So we continue to uh, be at the mercy of whatever public funds are available. We look at all grant opportunities, uh, but it's, it's tight. It's, uh, it's pretty competitive out there. And there's certainly a lot of great organizations that are doing really important work. I think we're just one of them and uh, we're a relative newcomer. I like to consider us an emerging organization. I stay away from the use of the word startup when I refer to us. So, uh, you know, I think it's important to note that, you know, the city of Iowa City is the second largest uh, contributor and, and financial supporter of, of our programs. Uh, and then we have some other uh, partnerships, mostly in the corporate sector, uh, Green State Credit Union, Target Corporation uh, and Hills Bank uh, kind of round out the, the list of our top uh, financial supporters. Um, I provided a list of participants. Sometimes it's nice to put some names with, uh, you know, the, the program. Uh, all of them are local. Almost all of them are based out of Iowa City, certainly all within Johnson County. So uh, we do, uh, I think, a very good job of trying to make sure, and we're very mindful of where public funds go. And uh, I'm 
proud to say that any funds that came from Iowa City went to support Iowa City businesses. We leverage other public funds and corporate resources to support uh, businesses and entrepreneurs that are outside of our Iowa City footprint, uh, which of course creates a bit of a accounting nightmare, and that's why my CPA is not a super big fan of mine, but I think it's important so that we can always pass the red face test and speak to uh, where did the funds actually go, how were they uh, supported. So I've got this fairly elaborate spreadsheet that documents all of that. Um, you know, the current state of the program, I'm feeling really good about where we're at. Um, you know, this is a great cohort. Uh, we had a few people that joined the program late, thanks to uh, Wendy making some introductions and us continuing to socialize the program uh, with our uh, alumni. Uh, but we've got a strong group of people that are in the program right now. Uh, like I said, we're about 60% through that, that program. We're already starting to see some improvements in their business models. Uh, we've been working with one in particular uh, quite a bit to help them accelerate the opening of their location here in Iowa City, which is Deflaby Unit. Uh, so we've been providing them a lot of support, both uh, financially and in any other way that we possibly can. So a lot of uh, exciting things that I expect to come out of this particular cohort. Um, I think, uh, yeah, that's relatively up to date. And then lastly, just kind of calling out our program sponsors just to make sure that everyone understands that uh, it really does take a, a village to make some of these things happen. And we you know, do our best to leverage our network. And we have certainly people in the room that have made their network and, and connections available so that we can try to make our case that it's a program that they should uh, support. Uh, that really is uh, the, the bulk of of the update that I wanted to provide. I'm certainly open to any questions that anyone might have. Appreciate John being so attentive. You were like right there the whole time, hanging on, <laughs> hanging on every word, so thank you. I'm actually just curious, how big is your team that's doing this, or is your team you? Well, <laughs> as of right now, my team is me. Um, this is one of the ongoing challenges of being um, a small nonprofit and not being in that uh, grant cycle, you know, it's where we run on volunteer power. And uh, as the world changes and people, you know, pull back, we are the ones that tend to suffer from that. So, uh, you know, I fortunately have a very flexible uh, employer. I have a full-time job, uh, as many of you know, and I do this as my second full-time job, which allows me a lot of flexibility uh, and I can, you know, have meetings and do things. Uh, the goal, obviously, uh, you know, looking forward would be to leverage some public funds, maybe ARPA, to be able to actually provide some paid positions and be able to scale uh, what we do. I'm painfully aware that we have probably disappointed a number of people that we attempted to support but couldn't follow through because ultimately it's, it falls on me most of the time. So um, it, it's a little exhausting if I look tired most of the time. That's why. Uh, but we're certainly working towards uh, addressing and improving that. Actually, I do need to qualify that statement. We do have a business coach, so technically there is an additional person Part of our partnership with Iowa Community Capital provided a fund that allowed us to have a business coach and they pay half and we pay half mm -hmm. of that. And uh, we have an individual that I think does a fantastic job working with those businesses. She's engaged with a few of them right now to help them develop those business plans so that they can make some improvements. One of them is trying to get uh, some trademark licensing with the university so that they can provide uh, apparel with uh, the University of Iowa uh, on that. So it's another 
another great opportunity to, uh, you know, kind of showcase the growth that comes out of something like this that requires that ongoing support. So it's me plus that halftime resource. Thanks for the detail. I mean, I, I'm sort of focused on it because I'm, unlike my son and my, my, my father who were business people, I'm, I'm not. So I'm kind of, it's just interesting to, to hear the detail and all the effort, all the aspects of what goes into business development. I think of myself as more of maybe a social entrepreneur trying to build community. Sure. Um, but I, I, so I really appreciate trying to learn what, what goes into business entrepreneurship. There's definitely a lot of behind the scenes things. I, as a technologist, try to leverage technology whenever I can. And so we developed a mentoring platform because it just wasn't feasible to manually do that. And so we built our own platform that facilitates uh, mentoring. So that's another way that we provide support. Um, I can't imagine doing that and providing that level of support without having those types of tools, which is obviously another expense. It's something that I've been, you know, kind of covering out of my own personal pocket, but eventually we'd like to make that available to the community, have it be kind of self-funded and self-managed, uh, uh, and then find ways to leverage, you know, public funds to, to pay for that because it lives in the cloud. So. Other questions for Tracy? I'll just, oh, yeah, go ahead, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you'll hear from me in a minute, right? But, you know, so our, this is our 20th year with our organization in the state. We focus on a completely different group of entrepreneurs, interstate commerce, mm -hmm. not Main Street kind of things. And, and I would say if there's, you know, we have significant experience in what it takes to actually be effective working with entrepreneurs and a lot of resources. And so if there's ever anything you need from us, you should just ask sure. um, because there's a lot of, of experience and talent that's that we've, we've had wrapped around. We'd be happy to just offer it up to you if you are interested. So, and yes, you need to raise more money because you need to do it full time because it takes full time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for that. And um, I'm very familiar with the program just on a volunteer basis. I've uh, presented to each of the cohorts and offered uh, free legal services as an individual. So um, really appreciate the work that's being done and, you know, can see that it, it is really impacting, you know, those folks who are getting the guidance along the way. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So. And you could, I, I, I don't know if we talked about this ahead of time, you could uh, vote on making a recommendation to the full council to um, support the orgs as we have noted in the memo one at a time, mm -hmm. or could do them both after the presentations. Preference? I think we could combine them personally. Sure. Yes, we're good with. <laughs> yeah, right. I know it. <laughs> uh, yeah, better chance of that if we do them both. I don't know. All right. Anything else for Tracy then? Thank you for your presentation. Well, Kurt, we'll pass it over to you. Yeah, I think the, one of the things to think about uh, that I understood when I started this, and I founded this in uh, 2003, right? So this is our 20th year, um, which is pretty interesting. And the thing that I'll, I'll pass this on mostly to you, right, is, is that when you start to help entrepreneurs, the thing that you think, so, so I had been a successful entrepreneur in my life, and, I, and, and I'd turned 50, and I'd had an excellent exit with the company I own part of, and I've, what was I going to do with myself, and what could I do that I didn't involve airports and hotels? 
And so that's how this got founded, right? But what I thought when I started was that I could take all that experience and success and knowledge and just simply impart it on the entrepreneurs and they would take it up and they would use it, right? And boy, was I wrong when it came to that. And that really be, kind of became the, 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 the secret sauce of what, what EDC does, right? Because what we learned early on was you can't give people advice and expect that they're going to take it. Everyone that dies from lung cancer still smoking, you got advice to stop. Right? The trick is to get them to stop smoking. Right? That's the hard work. And that's the roll up your sleeves, get involved, build trust, build faith, right? and really help people succeed. And measure yourself by their success, not measure yourself by hours engaged or activities provided or events run. Right? And so since the beginning, you know, after the first couple of years when we sorted that out, we realized that's what we had to do with this model. So we had to figure out if every year we're going to sit and our team is going to look and say, well, beginning of the year, strategic planning, we said this company was going to grow from here to here. And this one was going to grow from here to here. Did they do it? And we're accountable, right? Because I can't say, well, now they just didn't listen. Because you all didn't give me money for them not to listen. You all gave me money for them to listen and do, right, and create economic improvement. And so that's a little unique to how we look at our organization versus a lot of other organizations. So, you know, I tend to, and you already see in what I've sent you, I tend to report out on hard economic stats, right, rather than uh, events and activities and, and things like that. Not that those aren't all important, it's just that what's really important is, is your vitality improving in your community? Are, are you going to have safer parks and better streets and all the things that you want to have, right? So I provided you with our 2021 stakeholder report and another copy of the letter that Wendy sent to you earlier. Um, you know, we've now worked with about more than 1,300 businesses. We, we work statewide, um, although primarily we work where our investors invest in us to be, right? So that's pretty much the, the Eastern Iowa or this corridor. Um, there's about 120 some investors that fund our organization and you know you can see them they're, all their logos are on all their logos are are on our on our report you're welcome to that as well um, know that every single logo on there is willing to support entrepreneurs by the way um, and so uh, you know in, in 19 years collectively as we measure this organization you know we the capital raised by the companies that we've helped grow is right now at about, at the end of last year, it was at $809 million. So getting pretty close to a billion dollars. And that's capital raised and employed and deployed in this, mostly in the state, but not all in the state, because we have some that are deployed in other states as well. Um, increased revenue with the companies since we've touched them, um, almost, what, $2.6 billion now, right? So um, that's getting to be a pretty significant number. New jobs is about 3,300. The average wage now has been increasing, and the average wage now is up to about $73,000, um, which is above the, above the corridor's average. Um, so the jobs that are getting created by these companies are, are on the upper scale side. I'll, I'm going to chat about viewpoint here to come up in a minute. But um, I think, you know, uh, if you look uh, at uh, increased payroll, $768 million of, of payroll from all those new jobs and raises and everything from so those are the metrics that are the dollars that can get spent in your communities right and I'll touch on just Iowa City in a second uh, 
we've generated, we've raised about fifth, raised or generated ourselves about fifteen and a half million dollars over <coughs> over nineteen years to fund our organization, fund the full-time staff, and everything that we've done. Um, half of that funding comes from private supporters, so all the private, like Alliant Energy, if you will, the you know all the and you see all their logos on there are all the private supporters about 20 percent from our own operational earnings so we charge for some things we do so when we do work for bazooka farm star in washington iowa as an example and we've helped them grow from about nine million to about 36 million and double their employment and everything and this is great for washington and washington county but they're a profitable company so we don't use anybody's donor money to help them they just pay right and that also helps us offset um, so we don't have to go out and raise all of our budget, right? We can earn some of our budget. 28% um, comes from some form of public funding, which is including you, um, right, on, on a regular basis. So, you know, that's a, the return on it's about $270 to one at this point, relative to economic return, which has been excellent. Um, I think, you know, you guys invest in us for Iowa City, not the state. Uh, so I'll kind of focus on that a bit. Um, you know, it, it, we are very focused on high-impact, scalable interstate commerce businesses, right? Um, we've stayed razor-focused on that since the beginning so that we can be very good at what we do and not get pulled left or right. Um, they are the businesses that bring new people and new money to the state of Iowa, right? If, you know, you, you have vibrant uh, Main Street you get vibrant main streets and communities that have vibrant interstate commerce bringing enough money and enough employees to to use the main street businesses and i think you know we've stayed focused on the interstate commerce side the businesses that really uh create the fuel to to grow communities startups early stage and later stage businesses so only about third of our resources over the years have gone towards startups um, about a third to early stage businesses in their first five years, really, and then about a third for businesses up to 100 years old. Um, because, you know, from economic vitality, if we helped a bazooka farm star grow from nine to 36 million over five years, the economic impact from that is significant, right? More significant than helping a startup entrepreneur create a phone app, right? And if you're investing in economic development, you want to see that, then you then for us, we have to spread out our resources to make sure we're working on the right things to truly create the right end results. So Debbie Durham is really focused on this with me every year. She's a big supporter, and I know her really well. And so we go through these numbers every year. But that's what the state wants to see. They want to see the, the bottom line economic numbers. Um, so you know, in your community, I always say this to communities, if you have companies, like the Bazooka Farm Stars of the world in the manufacturing space or software space or whatever that have been around a long time but could use help in their interstate commerce, then there's somebody we could get introduced to. So when you think about us, just don't think about us as startups, right? There's a lot of startup organizations that are out there. And we work collaboratively with all of them, but it's not what our main focus is. Um, I think that uh, I'm going to just highlight a couple businesses you might find these interesting tonight, right? Um, because Viewpoint Molecular, and I don't know if you've heard much about it, right? But Viewpoint Molecular is a U of, U of I spin out, right? It's a radio pharmaceutical company focused on the treatment of hard to cure cancers, right? The first two are metastatic uh, melanoma and neuroendocrine tumors, right? Technology is kind of funny because when I started working with them, it took me like months to figure out what I'm about to tell you in two sentences. 
because I was talking to scientists, but really it's about the technologies around creating a cage that will safely encase a radioisotope or a nuclear particle and the cage has a protein bonding component to it that will find the, the protein of the cancer. So you can, you, can, you can have it match up so that it, when it goes through your body, it will only bond to the cancer. And then once it bonds to the cancer, it just can release the isotope and kill the cancer. And then it washes out of your system in the same day. So no need for radiation, no need for any, right? And, and you, can put, you can run that cage through the body without the isotope first Right, with just an imaging agent in it to make sure the patient is systems will work with it because it's, it's probably effective they're guessing on 70 percent of people so you don't have to try it like you do with chemotherapy right this you can run through with no risk at all and if, it, if it's going to work for you it'll bond everywhere the cancer is in your body and it'll light it right up on a scanner and if you know it does that then you know you can send the the, the, the nuclear particles through and kill it um, in, in, at the lab mice stage, they've gotten to the whole, they've gotten to the point where, with with immunotherapy added to it, they've gotten 10 out of 10 full cures of metastatic melanoma, and that is a killer disease, metastatic melanoma. That's a less than six-year lifespan once you've been diagnosed. And so, really important stuff. These folks, um, they 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 both got they both got drafted here by the university. They were a married couple. This was the one university that would let them. Both come here and both go to work together, and uh, and uh, so Fran Johnson, she's a she's a nationally known uh, cardiologist and transplant transplant specialist, and Michael is uh, Schultz, her husband is uh, he's a, a global key opinion leader in the area of nuclear medicine, um, and we met them both in 2009, just after they'd formed the the company and started working with them a little bit, but oh, in about 2016 they that's when they we're going to really have to now take it out of the lab. Now, you know a lot about academics starting businesses, right? But, you, but to, to, to go from academic to the street is a big transition and a one that's very difficult, right? Because the whole mindset, if you were SBIR or funded, however you were going, this is not what the street's going to talk to you about. It's not, you know, it's, you're not going to get investors. I don't know how many times I was just with another academic in the medical area yesterday and, well, no one will fund me. Well, it's because you're speaking in this language instead of this language, right? And so then we dug in, right, in it, at that point in time with them to say, okay, so you're out going to raise money now. You, you in, the farm, in the farm business, it's, a, it's 10 years and $100 million per asset is, is typically what you have to raise and how long it takes to get through the FDA process. So this is, and they've got two assets, right? Uh, so they're going to have to raise two or $300 million over the next three or four years. And so getting them started, that's when this, uh, I engaged, right? So over the next five years, I'm currently the chairman of their board, um, but I engaged as their CEO, their CFO, their, and their marketing director as well. I bought over 1,300 hands-on hours in that business um, because I created all the financial pro formas, all the tools, and everything necessary to go out and raise the money um, and help them understand the language to be able to talk to the right, to the money. And with that, they were able to raise a seed raise for just under a million dollars in 2020, while the years to do a, a, ser a, a Series A raise, we went out and raised $14 million um, that year. They've matched it with over $18 million in SBIR grants, so you know, roughly $32 million have been raised and generated so far. Right now, they're going to. Right now, the merger's been approved by the boards for them to merge with Isolray out of Richland, Washington. Now, you know, they have offices out here on Mormon Trek and at the BioVentures Center, Viewpoint does, right? 
when this merger, if this merger goes through, um, it's right up to shareholder vote right now, it's going to give them about $50 million from an expansion standpoint, which they're going to, they're buying a building here now, although I believe it's out in Coralville, because the one that's already approved for uh, nuclear manufacturing, they're going to invest another $20 million in it, and they're going to create a nuclear isotope manufacturing facility here in Johnson County. And that will be one of a kind in the country. Uh, and that will be for serving all of the hospitals in the Midwest, right? And then there'll have to be another one built on the West Coast and another one built on the East Coast. Then they'll have to hire, you gotta hire about 60 people between 50,000 and $500,000 a year salaries. So the average is gonna be over 200. And they're all gonna come to your community, one, way, one side or the other, right? And so I think, you know, this is, and this is one that I, uh, Fran was with me the other day and I was talking to her and, she, and being her board chair and, and, and getting it to this point, it, it, it's, it's really clear, and they'll tell you this, this didn't, it wouldn't still be here if we weren't here. Because if we were not here doing the work we did, the money would have pulled them to the coasts. Because these kind of startups happen on the East Coast in the Boston area, the West Coast in the San Diego area, but they don't happen in Iowa. And you don't end up with a manufacturing facility in Iowa unless you can bring them the talent in Iowa. So this is just an example, right? of something that's gonna be great for, for your, your community down here um, and something that we were very instrumental in. And then I've talked with you about Pear Deck last year, but you all know Riley and Michael Ian and Lynch, right? Well, you know, so they, and they'll tell you the same. What ended up happening with them is, you know, they just, they just made a real gracious donation to our organization. But I, I think that, because they know that we were totally involved. I ran their sales force for a year and a half, hired their sales team, trained their sales manager, put the in place. So this is stuff. And they paid for that out of their venture capital. But, uh, but uh, they're a great couple. So now they had this fantastic exit at the end of 2020. I don't, you, you may have read about it, right? Um, so, you know, you had about $100 million come back to this community, to the investors and founders in that exit. And, which, and what, if you haven't seen it from them already, they've already created a foundation they're, they're going to invest every dollar they've got, which is significant, in making Johnson County the best place to live. They bought a building for one of your private schools and put them in it because they had a lease problem, right? They created this other foundation. They're trying to figure out how to work on local grown foods, sustainability. So I think you're going to see them pour <coughs> millions of dollars back into your community over the next decade because they're absolutely focused on it and they could be helping you too by the way um they do yeah. they do yeah, I'm gonna say, yeah right you know riley's on my board you know and i and i just love you know uh and michael as well but i mean i think these are these are examples of what happens right when you when when you help people scale and, and create real wealth right and you give it to people who are not buying new cars and houses and yachts right but that are really committed to their community. So you, you'll never give enough to us to give back, you know, to even come close to what they're about to do for your community, which is, I think, just, that just speaks to the kind of people that they are, which is great. So, so those are, you know, you know, to us, those are our prime examples of, of the kind of thing that we do and the kind of thing that we're focused on, right? Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, you, from, when it comes to Iowa City in 2021, gave you the stats on, on your sheet, um, uh, you know, five and a half million people raised in, in uh, the businesses we helped in your community, right? You know, it's a 55-45 split, private, public, 76-24 over time, new revenue over three million, new jobs 21, 427 over time, average wage 73.8, and that was driven by viewpoint 
because Viewpoint added a lot of folks and some pretty big high salaries. Um, you know, increased payroll 5.7, new businesses started and so forth. So you're clearly getting a good return on the investment, right? Because a lot of other folks are investing and your dollars are getting matched by a lot of other people, right? Because, you know, we've spent a lot more resources here than your $25,000. And, you know, I think um, that's great that everybody's a part of this uh, team. So overall, I would say, you know, this is our 20th year. Um, I think you'll you'll see some a little bit more marketing from us relative to kind of what's gone on in 20 years. We kind of keep a low profile. We don't we're not out in the media a lot. Um, but uh, but you all know <coughs> Beth Meyer because Beth was with the partnership down there. Right? But Beth is now our new VP of marketing, so Beth is going to be doing an awful lot of that work uh, and educating folks over the next year on. And we'll have some kind of 20th year event next fall, which I'm sure you'll all be invited to. So I'll shut up now and uh, ask you if you have any questions, and thank you again for your continued support. Thank you, Kurt. Questions? Observations? Just again, thank you for your presentation, and I, I do always appreciate the stories because, again, I'm, I'm not a business guy, so it's always nice to hear about individual individuals in their business. And I can remember meeting the folks behind Pear Deck at the uh, ICAD when I was on ICAD and they were a different you know they at least from my perspective I didn't view them in the same way as I viewed a lot of the people who attend those meetings they did seem to have a different a different way about them and, and so it's kind of interesting hearing it here about they've taken their business success and they're now reinvesting or investing in the community which kind of speaks to yeah they weren't uh... their their vision it's, it's rare that I even see that in what I do right, over the years, right? Because people get to be about about the wealth part of it. Yeah. But it never, it wasn't why they did what they did. And I think they ended up, because of COVID, you know, that that year their product, you know, their product helped connect teachers and students in the classroom in a much more a beneficial manner using, uh, in a partnership with Google's Chromebook, right? And, but as soon as the fun story was that, you know, as soon as COVID hit and they closed the schools, Riley called me and said, okay, you're in charge of sales now. What do you do? All, all your clients just close their doors. Right? How are you going to sell it? Right? So then it will, well, then it was, well, this is when you're going to have to get creative. So think about what you can do. Right? Well, you know, what they did was they just opened the product up free for any teacher in the world to use it for the rest of the semester. 400,000 teachers signed up. Well, they went from 30 to 90 employees in about 60 days. And it was a mess, because no matter how fast you can hire, you can't onboard people that mm -hmm. fast. And so, it was, but you know, their, their revenue went up 4X in six months. And then an acquisition thing just came hunting and put a number in front of their board. You know, they were venture capital funded, so they didn't have total control over that. Put a number in front of the board they couldn't pass up and there they go but i think if you were to ask them now i'm not sure they would have sold it because they really did it for the teachers and the students they didn't really do it for the money so i don't have a question per se but i'm just appreciate the the depth of of your explanations and where this is coming from and and the degree to which you've built this up over 20 years and i'm really really my mind is, you know, with the two entities sitting here at the table, 
one of the things I'm really struck by is the number of different um, you know partners that you have that you know the relationships that are built up over time and so I think it's fantastic that you sort of reached out because it seems to me that that's honestly for the the groups that you're trying to serve and to help them historically and currently those relationships are not necessarily available or first of mind right, it takes right? A long time so to develop them. So right. to be able to have that kind of tapping in so that everyone can be at the table and, and the, that kind of knowledge and growth and, and those relationships, because relationships beget relationships beget money, well, right? <laughs> right? I mean, so I just think it's fantastic that there's this. Over 50 subject matter experts that we kind of align ourselves with now over the years. And I mean, I had, I had um, you know, Geb Thomas from the university one of the teachers, he's got a number of startups, right? But one of this is one that's coming out of the university for a product, uh, it's an air quality measurement system that's being sold to the Air Force. But I mean, today he needed, uh, well, where would I go for somebody to give us electrical engineering advice? So I gave him that. Where would I go for a mechanical engineer? So I gave him that. Where would I go for the right IP attorney? So I asked him a few questions, I gave him that, right? So in the course of a one hour, he got all the connections he needed to move forward. And he was like, holy crap. I mean, you had everything that I asked for. I said, well, I didn't when we started this, but this is year 20 now. <clears throat> and to be able to leverage that within the community, I think, is, is incredibly strong. And to be able to have more people at the table, have more access to those kind of SMEs. And I think it's just it's fantastic to see sort of the possibilities that are starting to crop up with entrepreneurial, entrepreneurship incubators along with something that's established and that there's there are so many resources and and um, experts to be able to yeah, we're willing to share, share that yeah whatever you want so it's not there's not a competition right. there's plenty of entrepreneurs <laughs> yeah um, can you I think it might be helpful to clarify the, the, the public funds and presuming some of the the, the private funds that you get how much of those go towards the uh, administration of the organization, the EDC itself? Uh, is that 100% or do some of those funds get passed on to businesses? No, no, 100% is our operating budget, right, which is, you know, just shy of, depending on the year, $900,000, right, for all the things that we do and the people that we have, right? But we, years ago I set up a separate organization to raise investment funds. And that's totally separate, but it has an agreement, a contract with EDC relative to conflict of interest and all of that, right? And then I raised and invested two different funds. We were actually invested in Pear Deck, which was a good thing. But um, And I am also the uh, co-founder and current chair of the Iowa Venture Capital Association. So we did organize that in like 2015, which was to put together a better statewide organization to really know where all the money is on the venture capital side. And so we have two meetings a year. and. and and manage that as well. But all of the operating money is straight inside the organization. I've got a 25-person board and an audit committee. And Thank you. Kurt, so I was a little glad to hear you say you're not really marketing yourselves or out there, because I'll be honest, I knew very, very little about your organization before yesterday when we got the packet. And so I started asking people, and uh, including you know one of your board members, uh, Riley, who we've talked about. Um, but I'm grateful to learn everything that you're doing. And one of the things that came to my mind, so I'll just pose this question to you, in this organization that's been around now for almost 20 years, and, you know, 
operating as you do in the space that you need to, but not necessarily kind of you know out more broadly in the public. Um, the Iowa City City Council is finishing up a strategic planning process where we're to implement or to adopt our five-year strategic plan, and we have kind of these three what I'd call value lenses. And so I'm trying to think holistically, even though this is relatively small dollars, right? But trying to think holistically through those lenses, which are racial equity and social justice kind of as, as one, um, partnerships and engagement as another, and climate action as another. So in the tenure of your time with EDC, can you just speak to ha has your focus changed in relation to those kinds of areas or what are you doing in relation to those now we kind of get asked about those things that over the years i mean everything um you know i mean you, you know what i've gotten asked over the last two or three years right yeah and, uh, and you know prior to that was climate um and and so forth and you know what we've said is is that you know if our focus right is is helping create the kind of businesses that create the kind of economic vitality that allows the state to do more of those things, that allows communities to do more of those things, that allows the ability for those things to happen. And if we stay focused on what we're supposed to be doing, then you'll have a lot more funding for that to occur. But if we shift off, right, and start to become more focused on, on other things, the economic vitality component will suffer. Right? So we've stayed razor focused on really creating the ability for you to have greater tax dollars to invest in however you choose. Mm -hmm. But we've tried to stay out of, you know, I've said, I said when it comes to entrepreneurs, when they walk through the door, they walk through the door. We don't see color, we don't see, we don't see religion, we don't see gender, we don't, right? We just see the viability of the opportunity. Now we I can tell you it's 36% underserved out of our 1,300, and that is because we measure it, but I, don't generally like to do that because I just like to stay focused on whatever entrepreneurs in front of me at the time. I don't know if that helps answer your question. Yeah, and I think I'd you know just challenge you a little bit to to see how in existing organizations you know we know that when we look at our community and what is representative in our community, it's changing and it's shifting, and that you know the relationship building that you're talking about is so much just who knows who knows who knows who. So I hope that that continues to expand and you know open the doors to more and more people well, who maybe I mean, it's been it's worked very well to date you know and the reason you don't see a lot or hear a lot about us is that we we have tended over time um, to make it all about the entrepreneurs so you get to hear about them it's not about us mm -hmm. you know, it might have been about me when I was younger and I was growing and I wanted to be in the paper but when it came to this it, I never wanted it to be about us I wanted it to be about them, you know. My, my marketing people have always said, but you keep make it a little bit more about us. And I think <laughs> so. I think this year you'll see more about us. Um, but you know, we, because of word of mouth and our own brand, we're not short of work to do on any given day. Sure. People could double fund us. I could double the staff, and we'd still be buried. Mm -hmm. There's more work to do than we have the resources to do. So it's not like. We're trying to go out Not and find looking for more business. Work, yeah, right? I get you. you know, it's really more PR, and mm -hmm. and if I'm going to choose between investing dollars in PR or helping an entrepreneur, I, I always choose the entrepreneur. Uh, so that's kind of why we're kind of a little bit of a secret to some people, True. but inside the ecosystem, we're not. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
Other questions for Kurt? Other discussion among committee members or anything else from staff? So we have a recommendation for funding of $25,000 each to MDC Iowa and EDC Inc. Would someone like to move approval of that? I'll, I'll move approval. We send it to the full council. I'll second. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 All right. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I always have staff time. Go for it. As an agenda item. Yeah. But I don't have anything to report. Okay. <laughs> Does that mean we have committee time, which also doesn't have anything? <laughs> Um, well, I just I just had one kind of discussion for us. Um, I had posed a question to Wendy via email of with these particular um, I don't know if grants is the right word, but you know these particular um, funding opportunities, how they were selected or what criteria there would be to kind of you know be especially the hearing ones. you articulate like yeah and from kind of the opportunity then into community development and like what what that might look like so. Um, yeah, I don't know if Wendy, you just want to enlighten us a little bit on on what that is or how. In my mind, it also was in that holistic question of like, what are we looking at when we're funding from other departments or other sources in the context of ARPA and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to ask Jeff to to jump in. Um, I, I think I would start out by saying that this is. Uh, that this funding has always uh, has grown out of an organic process that I'd say started with um, probably started with the arts organizations uh, years and years and years ago who said hey we do this great thing for the community um, it is definitely on a branch of the economic development tree um, but we need some funding to support us and um, so we we heard those cases basically and um, began funding um, those pretty much those same organizations that you listened to last month and also then later uh, Kurt Nelson's organization approached us um, with the same kind of thing that he did today and we said you know as so long as it's supporting economic development in Iowa City uh, by supporting Iowa City businesses then that probably makes some sense then uh, Tracy came to us a couple of years ago and said, you know, I really want to focus on BIPOC-owned business and growing opportunities for underserved, underrepresented, uh, underrepresented populations here. And uh, he sought us out, and, and we said, oh, you know, that sounds like a, a worthwhile thing. He had a plan, uh, cohort-ready he had materials from an established program that had been developed in uh, Waterloo. And he was funded for those first couple of years out of a line called our Opportunity Funds. But now that it's a going concern, uh, we wanted to get him sort of in this um, same line, I guess you could call it, that other uh, organizations, these that, you're, that you've been used to now, um, have come to us through, I guess. We haven't ever put out a call. Um, and, and I think I, I made note of the fact that 
um, we haven't made it competitive as Cedar Rapids recently has, mm -hmm. and there are stories to go with that, mm -hmm. I guess, too. Um, because I, I don't know if there is a because on this, but there's a limited size of pie, and there are actual direct dollar needs organizations need. And if we were to split that pie into as many pieces as organizations who mm -hmm. would come to the table, I think we might risk underfunding some of the organizations that we've seen here. And I'll stop there and see if Jeff wants to Yeah, <laughs> I, um, that. I, maybe I'll, I'll layer on to that a little bit. That was good. The um, I think economic development here in Iowa City and in the south end of the corridor um, is largely outsourced by the municipalities, um, and that's not the only model that exists. And uh, Wendy was alluding to the Lynn County uh, situation, which is a little bit different. Um, so we have one economic development staff person, Wendy, uh, who also has a number of other duties, but largely a lot of our economic development efforts is uh, uh, f funded uh, through and carried out by ICAD. Right, and so we we contribute funding. So do the other municipalities. So does the county. With the idea, all that we're all working in the same space here. Um, if we if we pool our money together, um, we can go a lot farther. And I think that's that's true. If you look at our ICAD investment, which I know was not on the agenda today, but is funded out of our economic development budget, I think that's eighty thousand dollars a year. Uh, uh, approximately, um, and you look at that team that we leverage because of that. And I think um, um, we, when um, uh, the EDC came to us, however many years, six, seven years ago, it was the same notion. We saw uh, agreement in the region. We had other funders, in this case Cedar Rapids at the time, later Coralville and North Liberty joined, uh, come to us and say, boy, I think we all could be investing in this. and it's not necessarily every year going to just impact Iowa City or Lynn County or Coralville, but we're all gonna be better off because of smaller investments, leveraging a bigger staff pool and a bigger assistance pool. Um, uh, when it came to looking at um, MCD Iowa, um, that was more of a need that the Iowa City City Council prioritized that wasn't necessarily being prioritized around the region. So that's when we take some of those discretionary dollars. Uh, Wendy referred to it as the Opportunity Fund. Um, every year we have discretionary economic development dollars that we look to go out and utilize in a way that align with our council's strategic priorities and our missions. Um, in, a, in, in, in spaces that maybe the other areas aren't as focused or aren't as targeted. So the BIPOC business accelerator is a, a, a great idea. Um, that's been a priority of council for a, a couple of years. Um, we were able to, to network with Tracy John and learn that we, he had shared goals. Um, he couldn't get it off the ground because of lack of funding, so we felt that that was a, a, a good use of those funds. Um, we'll continue to, to do that. Um, we oftentimes will craft grant programs centered around those same city council objectives, like last year's targeted small business grants were launched uh, because of that. Again, trying to go above and beyond where the regional efforts not really focused at the time. Uh, so um, as far as I'm aware, there's not another kind of regional group 
uh, out there that is uh, getting funded by other municipalities that we would bring forward like an EDC or an ICAD. Um, however, there may be other folks that are supporting businesses, nonprofits or private organizations that are supporting businesses. And it's kind of our, our, I guess our job is to continue to look for those opportunities, evaluate those and bring those to you. Uh, we could certainly do a competitive call. Um, but as Wendy said, we might get to, we might get to a situation in which you're looking at, um, Kind of risking underfunding some of those organizations, and can we really carry them out? Like you know, the twenty-five thousand for the MCD Iowa. I think Tracy alluded to that's that's great now. That's serving the purpose now. That may not be enough going forward to continue something like this. So we just want to be careful um, uh, with that. I, I would I would suggest and and uh, make the argument that if you're seeing a need, if you're hearing a need from constituents that is not being filled in the economic development space really share that with us and allow us to what we'll pretty much always do is explore that with the regional group first and see if there's an opportunity to collaborate and if the those resources just aren't there or that alignment's not there um, then we'll go out and we'll look for those opportunities like we did with MCD Iowa Thank you. yeah I had just um, and I sent Wendy a link to a, a new organization that I just learned about that was supporting um, really uh, Latina women starting businesses and um, I can talk with Andre Wright, you know, kind of about what he was doing in supporting yep. people getting into that industry. So um, those are just things that had come into my mind of, well, I don't know how this is, I don't know how this is selected. So those <laughs> yeah, are those are the, yeah, those are helpful, and I'd love to. I'd, I'd, you know, we'll, we can certainly connect with the organization that you sent to Wendy. Um, we've supported some of Andre's um, efforts in the past when he's done fashion shows downtown and things like that. We've we've been sponsors. Um, you know, we're talking about the operating budget. The other big opportunity here is obviously the ARPA funds, in which we're we're going to be crafting a program, uh, really targeting BIPOC and underserved businesses. So that'll be another opportunity, and, and that probably will be some type of competitive process because they are one-time funds, uh, whereas with these, we're looking at more annual operating funds um, where we might have that competitive process. Not sure what that looks like yet, but we're going down that path. Very helpful. Thank you. Incredibly helpful. Any other business? Not for me. Nothing. I would move to adjourn. Oh, sorry, Megan. Did no, you have I was something? just going to say. Just, I mean, it's been only two meetings, and yet I uh, so relish coming to these because it's really seeing how the city itself is leveraging its relationships with entities where that's their gig, right? And so it just is wonderful to to be a part of this. To to learn more and to see just how much the city is committed to this by helping the, you know the entities where that is their main vision and, and the work that they do so I just appreciate being on the committee good stuff stars in my eyes <laughs> okay I'll move to adjourn is there a second <laughs> I'll second all right all those in favor say aye aye, aye. aye. none are opposed all right we are adjourned